0: Earthmen Bearing Gifts by Frederick Brown This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Navratel. Earthmen Bearing Gifts by Frederick Brown Ree sat alone in his room, meditating. From outside the door, he caught a thought wave equivalent to a knock, and glancing at the door, he willed it to slide open. It opened. Enter, my friend, he said. He could have projected the idea telepathically, but with only two persons present, speech was more polite. E. John Key entered. You are up late tonight, my leader, he said. Yes, Key. Within an hour, the Earth rocket is due to land, and I wish to see it. Yes, I know it will land a thousand miles away, if their calculations are correct, beyond the horizon. But if it lands even twice that far, the flash of the atomic explosion should be visible. And I have waited long for first contact. For even though no Earthman will be on that rocket, it will still be first contact. For them. Of course, our telepath teams have been reading their thoughts for many centuries. But this will be the first physical contact between Mars and Earth. Key made himself comfortable on one of the low chairs. True, he said. I have not followed recent reports too closely, though. Why are they using an atomic warhead? I know they suppose our planet is uninhabited, but still. They will watch the flash through their lunar telescopes and get a, what do they call it? A spectroscopic analysis. That will tell them more than they know now. Or think they know much of it is erroneous, about the atmosphere of our planet and the composition of its surface. It is... call it a sighting shot key. They'll be here in person within a few oppositions, and then... Mars was holding out, waiting for Earth to come. What was left of Mars, that is. This one small city of about 900 beings. The civilization of Mars was older than that of Earth, but it was a dying one. This is what remained of it. One city, 900 people. They were waiting for Earth to make contact, for a selfish reason, and for an unselfish one. Martian civilization had developed in a quite different direction from that of Earth. It had developed no important knowledge of the physical sciences, no technology, but it had developed social sciences To the point where there had not been a single crime, let alone a war, on Mars for 50,000 years, and it had developed fully the parapsychological sciences of the mind, which Earth was just beginning to discover. Mars could teach Earth much, how to avoid crime and war to begin with. Beyond those simple things lay telepathy, telekinesis, empathy. And Earth would, Mars hoped teach them something even more valuable to Mars. How, by science and technology, which it was too late for Mars to develop now, even if they had the type of minds which would enable them to develop these things, to restore and rehabilitate a dying planet, so that an otherwise dying race might live and multiply again. Each planet would gain greatly, and neither would lose. And tonight was the night when Earth would make its first sighting shot, its next shot, a rocket containing Earthmen, or at least an Earthman, would be at the next opposition, two Earth years, or roughly four Martian years hence. The Martians knew this because their teams or telepaths were able to catch at least some of the thoughts of Earthmen. Enough to know their plans. Unfortunately, at that distance, the connection was one way. Mars could not ask Earth to hurry its program or tell Earth scientists the facts about Mars' composition and atmosphere, which would have made this preliminary shot unnecessary. Tonight, Rhee, the leader, as nearly as a Martian word can be translated, and Key, his administrative assistant and closest friend, sat and meditated together until the time was near. Then they drank a toast to the future in a beverage based on menthol. Which had the same effect on Martians as alcohol on Earthmen, and climbed to the roof of the building in which they had been sitting. They watched toward the north, where the rocket should land. The stars shone brilliantly, and unwinkingly through the atmosphere. In Ur- Observatory Number no. One on Earth's Moon, Raj Everett, his eye at the eyepiece of the spotter scope, said triumphantly, "There she flew, Willie." And now, as soon as the films are developed, we'll know the score on that old planet Mars. He straightened up. There'd be no more to see now. And he and Willie Sanger shook hands solemnly. It was an historic occasion. Hope it didn't kill anybody. Any Martians, that is. Rog, did it hit dead center in Cirrus Major? Nearest matters. I'd say it's maybe a thousand miles off to the south. And that's damn close on a 50 million mile shot. Willie, do you really think there are any martians? Willie thought a second and then said, "No. He was right." End of Earthmen Bearing Gifts by Frederick Brown. Recording by Michael Narvett.